Welcome everyone. Uh, I'm Jesus Sierra Crespo. Today I have my good friend Manuel Alvarez Diestro in the house. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you very much, Jesus, for this invitation. Really. <laughs> How is life? Fantastic. Fantastic. Cannot complain. Cannot <laughs> complain. I saw the series of photographs that you did of the um, of the Hang River bridges in Seoul. It was amazing. How did you come up with that idea? Well, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, the idea that I had is that as a photographer, I thought, well, at some point I have to do a work about bridges. At this point, I thought in Seoul, capital of South Korea, uh, there is an extraordinary river, which is called the Han River, uh, which has 27 bridges. I was biking every weekend along mm -hmm. the river and I thought, how could I make a story about these bridges? And as you know, bridges are pieces of engineering that connect one place to the other. But I thought, why not doing something else? Why not transforming these bridges into places for contemplation? Therefore, uh, what I did was, all right, let's photograph the supporting piers of the bridge and transform these bridges into cathedrals, <laughs> okay? Not so much about a work of rational thinkers who are the engineers, but pretty much to transform them into sacred places. And therefore, I photograph right in front of the bridge, underneath, on the underneath belly of the bridge, you know, the receding perspective to mm. the infinite, okay, where you see these long bridges with mm. these piers getting repeated, okay? So the oh. rhythmic pattern transform these structures into what it looks like a cathedral. So pretty much these bridges become cathedrals in the Han Han River in South Korea. They're amazing. I love them. <laughs> I'm very I'm very happy you are delighted with this. Where did you get this uh, this desire? Because what you just said is basically a story, right? Is that correct? Yes. We could say it's a story that you're telling. Where did you get this desire to tell stories? That's is, this, is this something that builds up with time? Is this something that suddenly one morning you woke up and decided to, uh, to do this? How Ab does it work? Absolutely. Um, I think that uh, in my case, uh, I started telling stories uh, through uh, photography or film mm. because I've been traveling all my life. So right. I left my city of Santander in northern Spain when I was 18 years old. And mm. from there... From that time, I've been traveling all around the world through different uh, continents. Uh, I've experienced so much beauty around me, and I've been so privileged to see so many places that at some point uh, I thought, why not you know, to, to, to utilize what I see and, and make uh, stories, mm. narratives, mm. through photography and, and film. For me, it became a natural, you know, a natural step it didn't happen right at the beginning, but as you grow older and hmm. you become probably more sensitive and you acquire more knowledge to enjoy the places, there is a point that I think that you know, uh, makes you start telling stories. Wow. You have infatuation, a terrible infatuation with Asia. You're crazy about Asia. What is it about it that, that turns your turns your creative engine on. Yes. What uh, is it about it? Well, as I said before, Jesus, I came from a, I come from a very little city in northern Spain. Right. So, you know, in, in Spain and in Europe, 
uh, we build up cities with a sense of human scale. Okay, right. so to give an example, in my hometown, whenever they want to do a big skyscraper, obviously everybody's gonna reject the idea, right. so it becomes very controversial, right? right? So Asia is a different place. In Asia is where human scale is no longer in the sense that we, we see it or we perceive it in, in Spain or okay. in Europe. So over there, that's where you find the biggest transformation of the landscape because of uh, economic circumstances, because um, uh, the growth of population, uh, economic dynamics, they build up cities in a great scale. Right. And when I've been in these places, I feel so much adrenaline <laughs> because I love architecture right. and I love the cities and I love the urban landscape. So when I'm there and I see the size, the colossal size of these structures and of the new towns they build, I get too excited, <laughs> okay? And that's what I want. I want to get excited because if I get excited adrenaline, I'm able to enjoy creating. Nothing less than that. Nothing less than that. <laughs> Tell me about displacements. This film that you made some years ago, which is um, it's a story of... Tell me about it. It's in Hong Kong. Correct. What is it exactly about this? Okay. This I love Hong Kong. Okay. Okay. Um, some people, they love going to Ibiza or <laughs> some people say, I'm Ibiza. Well, me, I feel I'm Hong Kong. I, lo right. I love this place so much since uh, 1998. And okay. I've been going there. I'm addicted to Hong Kong. I go there all the time. All okay. Right. So uh, I went there for the first time. And since then, in 1998, I've been going repeatedly every almost, well, actually every year. Okay, and I've been trying to think what can I create about this city, either through photography or film. Okay, right. so L let me stop you here just for a second. Why do you love this city so much? But what is it that you, because you see there? yes, to me is the is the perfect example of a you know huge transformation of the landscape. Okay, okay, and me, I'm a photographer of you know of the territory. Okay, of the transformation of the landscape, of human imprint in the landscape, how we transform the landscape, how we urbanize the landscape in order to accommodate our lives and purposes in this, in this world. So Hong Kong, it's a, it's a very interesting place because it's, it's a very small territory, okay, where there is no much space for construction. Most of the population, they live either in the new territories, which is connected to mainland China, or in Hong Kong Island. So therefore, there is no much place, and it's all islands and surrounded by the sea. Okay. Half of the space is a natural uh, reservoir, which is protected. So that means that the only way to grow is vertically, which means that the city is extremely populated with skyscrapers. So then again, I come from a small city, where the, the, the highest building is maybe 14 floors, okay? So then I go there and I get so fascinating, hmm. okay? So fascinated by, 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 by this place. Right. Yeah. Before you moved to Asia, you lived in, um, in many different places in the, south, um, in the South Riviera of the Mediterranean, right? Yes. So you lived in Lebanon, in Algeria, yes. is that correct? In yes. Egypt? Correct. Um, how how did that change in landscape or in yeah i would say in landscape and in human and the human side of the of the of your life now in asia how how is that 
huge change from the Mediterranean culture to the Asian culture affected the way you do your work? Great. Um, I mean, I don't I know if my question yes, is I clear. I, I, yeah. I understand. I think every location, every geography brings an opportunity for whoever wants to create something in any means. If you are a writer or a poet, if you are a, um, a filmmaker, a photographer, I think every location, every landscape has different stories. Okay. Uh, in the case of the Mediterranean Riviera, as you mentioned, it's correct. I lived in Morocco, I lived in Algeria, I lived in Lebanon, and I lived in Egypt. And I know all those countries very well. Syria, Libya, I've been traveling all around. And the circumstances of the landscape are very different as compared to, uh, to the, for instance, uh, North, Northeast Asia or Southeast Asia. So uh, Northern Africa is, is known for the desert. Okay, so as for instance in Cairo, I, I do documented uh, the construction of a new city which is called New Cairo and is the construction of a, a new environment uh, of uh, gated communities for the very wealthy outside of the city of Cairo, right? So when you are there, you are exposed to, you know, because of the topography and the location, you are uh, na narrating something that is based on this reality. So I did that work. Mm. And then I find myself now in a different area where instead of focusing about how we build new cities in the desert, in this vast and open space, mm. right? Now I find myself the other way around in a very constrained and very limited spaces where human beings in a different geography, in a different latitude of the world, mm. they are building skyscrapers, which is not the case of New Cairo. So right. that means that every place has its opportunity to create a story okay right. every place is different and what you learn from one place you take it to the other and the beauty of it is that nothing repeats it will hmm. be different so therefore right. the more you travel and the more places you see the more knowledge you accumulate that right. you take from one place to the other wow what is it about vertical architecture that obsesses you so much. <laughs> yes, and I love, Jesus, that you asked me this question, okay, because I had so many conversations about this one, okay. and there are a lot of detractors of this idea that they right. think they believe in horizontal urbanization. I'm a true person who defends vertical construction, and I'm gonna be very direct with you, okay? okay please. I'm, I'm gonna tell you, Jesus, vertical construction is the solution for the cities of the future. Okay? okay, cities are becoming bigger. People keep moving from the countryside to the to the cities, and the way to solve the problem of how we interact with the landscape with a minimum minimal impact right. in terms of transformation of the landscape, mm -hmm. in order to preserve as much as we can the, the the natural landscape, okay, with these resources, we need to grow cities vertically. I'm gonna give you an example. You know, Spain. Spain, you know what the situation with the Mediterranean coast, right? right? So Spain is one of the countries, it's not the number one, where we have the biggest amount of tourists coming to Spain, correct? Okay, so we are able to build up cities for tourists, for tourism. Right. One of them is Benidorm in Spain, okay? Benidorm is one of the cities in Europe with the biggest amount of skyscrapers, okay? It's said by urban planners and sociologists that if there were 11 Benidorms in the Mediterranean coast. In the entire Mediterranean. In the entire Spanish Mediterranean coast. Okay. The whole, is the rest of the space 
not taken by these 11 centers will be uh, free of uh, construction. Right. And uh, houses, right. hotels, it will be free. No, no it urbanization. will be no urbanization. While now, right. the whole territory is being occupied. And, and the moment that you build vertically, you are doing many very positive things for the environment. One is that you are concentrating all the population in a small portion of land, which means that you are releasing the rest of the space. That's number one. Number two, less consumption of water because the flats are much smaller. And instead of people living in dwellings with swimming pools or lots of bathrooms, people live in a more densified space where right. maybe there is one swimming pool for the full tower, but that means less water consumption. Then you have less consumption of wood because you are living in a smaller places. Most important, that people don't need to transport much from place to the other right. uh, by car. So you have less emission of CO2 and less cars that are moving from one place to the other. And another important element is that you are closer to nature because the moment that you live in these towers, you are, will be much closer to the natural resources. That means right. that you grab your bike and then you can go right to the, you know, to the wilderness, to the, or to the wilderness or what. You follow me. But people don't like it though. <laughs> but people, because they follow their own dreams of, well, my dream is to live in the little dwelling right. looking at the sea. That's actually what is ruining the landscape. Right. You know, Hong Kong is one of the cities in the world that pollute the least. Really? No, that's, the pollution is very low. Right. Just, just compare Los Angeles with New York. The population of New York is much less than LA. Right. Los Angeles, right? Because Los Angeles is taking an, a territory of 100 kilometers where people, they need to move by car from place to place, where people live in a small uh, houses with big gardens. And this is the romantic idea, you know, of the having... American dream. That, you know, Fran Wright, he used to say, well, you know what? We should live in a place where we have a piece of nature in our house. But yeah. this, to me, this idea is a utopia in a world where you see that, you know, resources are limited hmm. and we need to take care of, of, of the nature where we live. Right. Let's uh, let's change gears here. What are you working on right now? Where do you have uh many different projects, Jesus? I'm <laughs> having a blast. You're having a blast. I'm having a blast with the with but the projects. You know, um, uh, well, is there something specific that you can talk about or? Well, f few things. Uh, on on one side, uh, I just finished filming uh, with my all-time friend um, Hugo Bregon who happens, who is from my hometown. All right. We just finished filming a short film in South Korea. Right. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic uh, short film. It was a challenge uh, because we had to deal with the uh, Korean actors in Korean language, but uh, we just finished the shooting and now we are going to move into post-production. Right. So this is going to be a short film, which is very happy and very satisfied. Uh, on the other hand, I'm promoting another film that I made with another um, uh, Spanish photographer, Sergio Belinchon. Mm -hmm. He's a very respected and very known photographer in, in Spain. And the two of us, we went to Iceland and we managed to do also to create an experimental narrative in this extraordinary place, which is Iceland. And that I recommend everybody, if you haven't been there, to go and experience this location. Right. Uh, in parallel... I keep with my photography and currently I'm doing uh, some work about the construction of new towns in South Korea. What is it? New towns? New towns is a new construction development okay. uh, outside of uh, primarily outside of Seoul right. and in the rest of the country. South Korea is a fascinating country because uh, these days it's still very active 
in in terms of construction sites. So whenever I see construction sites, I go there with my bike, mm. I photograph them, right. and I'm I'm now a focus on this uh, new town. So I'm doing photography, and in parallel, I'm doing uh, films, either through fiction or uh, experimental. Wow. How is it like living in Korea? Do you like it? How is it? How is the whole experience? There? I love this country. Really? Why? Why so? Uh, well, first of all. Korea, South Korea still is quite an unknown place really? as compared to Japan and China. So South Korea, they refer as the country in the middle. Okay, hmm. It's much smaller than Japan and especially China, China. right? Mm. So most of the times people rather go to Japan and China because it's more known. It's more known. Right. So the reality is that while in Europe still it's not very known, in Asia, in Asia, these days is one of the countries that is receiving the biggest amount of tourists. Really? And I think every year, I think it was up to 17 million people wow. just came to South Korea these days. And this is driven because culturally speaking, uh, they have a very big influence in the rest of the countries through the, I don't know if you heard the K-pop music. Have you heard no, of K-pop music? You haven't heard, right? Not at all, not at all. Well, it's a it's a new culture of of, of young people, okay. um, uh, particularly in music, where they they portray a very shiny and glossy world of of beautiful, good-looking kids, oh, okay, right. singing and dancing, and they do a fantastic job. And this has a great impact in the other countries. Not only that, they also do a lot of film in the film industry. South Korea is one of the driving countries these days in uh, not just because of the film festivals they have very powerful in asia okay. because of the films that they produce so again um south korea is a country to discover and in economics i don't want to tell about it because you know <laughs> the biggest yeah. table samsung hyundai yeah. i mean these guys are shaping the world right. with the products that they create very innovative right. people so you like it there huh? i i love it you should come and see me. <laughs> i will what piece of work are you most proud of everything you've done so far in your entire career photography filmmaking any other kind of project that you might have done what is it the one that you feel most proud of to be honest jesus i think uh i love each one of them right each one of them because what you are able to accomplish on one you take it to the next level to the other so right. Everything is interconnected. I mean, you mentioned you brought a very good point before. You say, well, Manuel, you used to live in, in Cairo and Algeria and Lebanon and those countries, and now you are in, in Asia, right? So I'm not enjoying more Asia than Northern Africa. I like every place because every place has something to tell. Absolutely every place. You right. put me 20,000 people together in a small village, and I'm going to enjoy that place because those people, they have something to tell. So all places are valid. All places are beautiful in a way. Mm. So with my work as a as a result of the places where I live, because my, my work is about cities and the landscapes, about the geography, the territory, specific places. I'm not going to tell you I prefer one or the other because it would be like if I'm saying I rather, you know, I enjoy more my, my work in Asia as compared in Northern Africa. Mm. And it's not the case. Everything is interconnected. I see the full of it all together. I love mm. everything I've done. I'm very proud. <laughs> That's nice. How do you handle bad reviews? Whenever, I don't know, a piece of work of yours doesn't, I don't know. Um, 
I know where you're going. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> keep, keep, keep talking. It doesn't elicit the warm welcome that you would like to, for example, right? Because not every work has the same impact on everybody. Yes. Right? So if you have a bad critic or if the public doesn't receive your work as warmly as you would like to, how do you manage that? Do you ignore it? Do you use it as a driving force for the next project? How, how does it well, affect you? I'm going to tell you, okay, check this out, okay? I mean, I think, well, first of all, I, th I have to thank them. I mean, somebody who has spent some time to look at my, my work, I'm already honored, okay? First thing. Right. So, first thing, I have to thank them, okay? Second thing, I will say, great that you're telling me is that really bad. And actually, you know what? I heard a lot of people telling me that your work is bad, okay? Okay, not bad necessarily, but that your, for instance, that technically speaking is not that strong or the idea it hasn't been well articulated, many different options. But I'm going to tell you something. You cannot expect that in everything you do, and actually in life, that's how I see it, either in the art world or either in the corporate world, right. I think that the most important thing is that you have to be always challenged by others. Okay, we're going to which are, who are going to make sure that your work becomes better, okay? Right. Because when you get challenged, your work becomes better. And another element is that you need to fail many times with your work right. to get it right. And this is, to me, the most important thing, but also in life, you know, in the corporate world, for instance. What I'm afraid is when people don't try things. And in our creation, as in the corporate world, is exactly the same idea. You need to fail several times until you get it right. So when you get those people that tell you that your work is bad and you get so upset, actually it's an opportunity because many times they're right. Many times they're right. And maybe you didn't get it right this time, but you know what? Thank you very much because I will get it right on the next one. And at the end, it's also an element of probability. It's right. math. So if you think that... Every time you try, people are going to tell you, Manuel, oh, oh, you fantastic. Are, fantastic. You're the best, man. No, no, man. no, 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 no. It, can, <laughs> it cannot be. Right. You need a lot of people to tell you, Manuel, either at Petit Comité or actually a review when somebody watch a film. You know, it's okay. You have to tell them always, thank you. The thing failure doesn't exist. That word doesn't exist. And right. you just see an opportunity to make it better. And that magic moment, that magic moment... You know, when you make something that you say, Manuel, this is unbelievable, that will, will come, will right. come, but you need to fail. That's, I mean, that's, my, that's my view. Very good one. You are a super active and productive dude. How do you manage the overstream of ideas? I'm sure you have like tens, hundreds of ideas a day. How do you decide which ones to pursue, which one to discard, and how do you manage your life so you focus on the ones that you actually want to do? Yes. Do you have like daily routines that help you do that? Yes. How, how do you manage yes. this whole thing? Good point. Uh, well, I think that to keep your health focused and permanently being challenged about what you do, I think that your lifestyle uh, needs to somehow cope with this interest, right? For instance, I do travel a lot. Right. And doing some of these works are not easy. They require actually a lot of... Um, physical exercise you know uh, if i'm doing a work about for instance uh, you know um, documenting harbors that's something that i'm thinking of doing you know the 
Asian harbors, you know, the containers, you know, going to places, actually many times restricted areas with difficult access, you know, you're going to have to be, you know, waking up very early in the morning, you know, and finding ways, walking long distances, you know, right. hiring cars, meeting people, you know, you're going to be spending lots of hours outside and, and this is tiring. So that means yeah. that you need to put yourself in a good physical condition in order to do it because if not, you won't be able to do it. So me, I try, you know, to do little things that take me little time that helps me, you know, on, on keeping the focus and always, you know, being able to do, you know, to do that sacrifice, right. you know, on the new towns, I'm biking uh, with my, you know, I have, I have to ride a bike, you know, and, and f cover f many, many, many kilometers, like what I did with the bridges about the bridges of in South Korea and Seoul, right. I have to do long distances with heavy weight, you know, I have to put some sort of lifestyle. So one thing that I do, and to me, uh, you're going to laugh about this one, but... I do think that uh, it really helps me a lot, and I've seen the the you know the positive effect in life is taking cold showers. Cold so showers. Cold showers to me is is one of the best things that I've done in life. It doesn't cost any money, right? And the benefits are extraordinary right. after some time after taking them. And I do think that if people take cold showers, they will experience also very, very positive benefits. How does it help you to have, a, to have cold showers? Well, I, I you think, feel better? I think, I think that a little of sacrifice on right. a daily basis. <laughs> so it's like a mental thing? It's a mental thing. Okay. It's a mental thing. Physical thing, uh, I think it works also very well. Right. But what I've noticed, particularly with the cold showers, is that, um, and sometimes I start with the warm water, eh? it doesn't mean that I'm going directly for the cold, but I spend most of the time with the cold water. What it's doing is that uh, I see a massive um, uh, improvement, you know, particularly when you want to keep your, your, your mind in focus. And the cold water, it has a very positive effect. Oh. At the same time, everybody knows that, you know, the main benefits of the cold water is clear, you know, I mean, you're going to improve in your blood circulation, your immunity system. Me, I'm exposed to very, sometimes extreme weather of cold and and hot. I don't want to get sick while I'm doing this project. So, you know, right. and I don't, sometimes I don't find pharmacies around where you have to <laughs> buy right. pills. So everybody knows right. that if you take cold showers, your immunity level will be at a much better position, right? right. Everybody knows that if you take cold showers, your, your level of positiveness is, is higher than if you don't, than if you don't take them. So right. all is positive. So if somebody watches this, I will tell them, give it a try. And in three months, four months, you will thank me <laughs> because <laughs> it works so well All right. to take cold showers. So everybody, cold showers. You will feel like a million dollars. Absolutely. Just like Manuel. Yes, yes. Uh, what does it take to be a good storyteller? I mean, that's a, that's a, a, that's a difficult one. I mean, <laughs> that, I mean, that's a difficult one. I think you need somehow to... To see the world, I think you need to be exposed to the world, okay. either because you travel and you try to assimilate what you see and you try to find an opportunity to tell a narrative or tell a story to say something, but not only traveling, because you can travel in many different ways. You can travel because maybe some people, they don't like um, to travel, live in their houses and go to new countries. But other people, they travel maybe without actually taking a plane or a train or a car. Mm -hmm. People can travel mentally because, for instance, they read books, right? right? So, or because they, they watch good films at home. So travel, you know, is not just uh, telling good stories. It's about going to places. I think going to places 
helps, but you right. can go in many different ways, either because you read or because you go to places. Mm -hmm. So I think um, you need exposure to the world and you need an appetite to understand what's going on. Right. So to me, that's very important. You need to have an intrinsic appetite, okay, to tell stories. And what happens is that with anything, you know, um, you need to master a technique. And as long as you try and you start, don't worry, just follow yourself. Right. Take the journey, take the journey, and it will take you somewhere. But if you have that appetite, start telling stories in any possible way. And you will see that eventually will take you some, somewhere. <laughs> but you need to see yourself interested right. about the world and the people and the landscapes and whatever are your interests. What skill that you don't have today would you like to have someday? Well, um, I think it's essential uh, to recognize the limitations that we have. Okay. So we Me personally, I think I'm good about doing certain things, but I'm very bad at doing other things. So, um, in my case, I think I'm good about developing the ideas. I think I have a, a creative mind, but I'm not that good in the technical aspects on how to sometimes accomplish this, right? So in that case, what you do, you ask for help, right. okay? You cannot pretend that you are able to do everything. So I think that, for instance, in my case, I'm not good in post-production. I'm not good. I'm not that good in how to manage color, you know, in, in these digital files. I'm not good. I'm not good in editing, you know, technically, you know, doing the editing of the films. I'm not that good. Mm. But I think that I'm good about developing ideas. Right. Okay. So, yes, if I had the technical aspects, as much as I would like to have them, probably would be very helpful. Right. But... I'm aware of my limitations. And I think that that's something very important because a lot of people, we are focusing a lot of time to be very good in something that maybe we don't have the capability because other people can do it better. Mm. So me, I try to focus in and spend and invest the time in what I think um, I'm good at. good at. And I allow others to work with me to help me whenever I have some gaps. And sometimes I need to ask for help, yes. <laughs> what film had the greatest impact in your life growing up? I will, I will go uh, for uh, two filmmakers and I think that uh, they, they helped me to understand the, the world and, the, and particularly the way to see the world because one thing is to, you know, just to have the world and see it but particularly, you know, how, how in the art creation you can bring this world into creation itself, right? So right. there are two filmmakers. One is Bim Benders. Um, a German filmmaker. He was part of the new German cinema. Uh, very influential at the time. I think he made extraordinary films, particularly in his early career. That's one. The other one is Michelangelo Antonioni, which is in a style not very far from um, from Bim Benders. Mm. Antonioni, he's Italian. And I just loved those films because as I'm somebody who focuses about the urban landscape and the transformation of the landscape through construction, because this is pretty much my work. My work is about transforming the landscape. I have a great influence from those two masters because they were very clever in how to bring the city into the story. Right. Okay. And both Bim Benders and, and Antonioni, 
the city were already characters in the film. And when they, they, they particularly Antonioni, he created those love stories between, you know, um, uh, those beautiful people, you know, in the, mm. in the 50s and 60s in Italy, right? right? Uh, he always include the, the narrative in the, in the city. The city became a metaphor also of their feelings. And, and that really uh, impacted me. Right. Uh, this, is a mi this might look like a weird question, but tell me something you believe that people think you're crazy for. <laughs> well, one thing is about the cold showers, because to be honest, I tell people, and you know, in South Korea, the, the water is so cold right. that when I tell them, people just say, this guy is completely crazy. Right. No, something is not working here well. Okay. But well, that's one. I think that uh, I, I, I have few few ones that people sometimes, you know, I, they get challenged about what I tell them. So one of them is, for instance, I mean, don't, you know, don't follow, don't believe in any absolute truths that anybody tells you. I think it's so important that we challenge anything by anyone. So if anyone is trying to tell you this is like this, challenge. Challenge this person always. I mean, that's one of them. So even, you know, I would like to challenge, you know, the borders between countries. You know, I consider myself a geographical accident. So even challenge your, challenge your own identity about my nationality, where I come from, Spain. Yes, great. I love my country, but I'm a geographical accident. Right. Okay. So you have to challenge even your own identity. You know, I feel myself, I'm a universal, you know, character, you know, in this planet. You know, what is this thing about, you know, putting borders? You know, so I say, you know, remove the borders. You <laughs> know, there are no borders. We need to live in a world where there are no borders. We are geographical accidents. This is what we are. On that note, Manuel, uh, I think we have to stop here. Yes, so what a pity you're not asking more questions because, you know, <laughs> where I love it. I love that. I love that. Where can people know more about your work? Do you have a, pay a web page? Uh, social networks where, where can people Good. find your work well um, I'm currently promoting the films at film festivals okay um, 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 I'll be screening uh, very soon in Fargo Fargo Film Festival in, in the US I'll be screening in another film festival in uh, near Memphis as well uh, just a screen in California Film Institute in uh, in San Francisco so one way is through film festivals uh, on the web, um, I'm, I'm pretty much all around. Uh, okay. My photos are there. Uh, about the website is an interesting one because I am developing a new website. I okay. think that uh, I need to have a better one. So okay. very soon, all the work will be properly presented right. there. So people just Google Manuel Alvarez Diestro. And, and they will be able to see, to see my, my work. Yes. Manuel, yeah? thank you very much again. Very good. It's very a good. Great pleasure. This is what a pleasure. I really <laughs> enjoyed it. Really, really, really. You are always okay. welcome here in this house. Fantastic. Very good. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. Man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.